Let's look to the Lord. Father, this morning, we just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Father. Yes, there is disease. There is war. There is famine. There is all kinds of things happening. But, Lord, we have you. We have you, Lord. And if we have you, none of these things can overcome us nor separate us from you, Lord. So, Father, in the light of every day's event, our hope is real because of you, Lord. We want to magnify you to this morning. We want to thank you once again, Lord, if you hadn't sent your son. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be sitting here. We would be just lost. Whatever we would be having in the world. Successful, unsuccessful, but lost. We thank you, Father, that you are there for us. Thank you, Father, for your Son. So this morning, as we continue our fasting, our prayer, we continue surrendering ourselves, Lord, each day. Do your work in us, Lord. Do your work in us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Since the lights are still on and the stars are still out, we'll go back to John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Then Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. So loved the world. Always remember why he gave, okay? Why did he do all this? You take that out, it does not, it does not, um, make, we wouldn't be saved. Everything God does is, God is love. And please remember, okay, there is something about love, okay? Even as we go through our daily devotions and all this, two things about love. One is the, Feeling part, and the other is the action part. Both has to be there. Because you have action without feeling, that is religion. It is self. It's towards self. Religion does charity, not for the other person, but to have your good works to be counted there. Okay? So you need to have, um, um, God gave his son because he loved us. And that's an, um, the Bible says, love is kind. Okay, and if you remember, if you know that kindness is first and foremost a feeling, it's a very strong feeling, and then based on it, there is an action. There is an action. Okay, affection is a feeling. Affection is a feeling. Like when I wished Vijay and Justin differently, the reason is that, no, for women, these things matter, and you cannot discount it. (laughs) You cannot discount. God made them that way. (laughs) It was a world only of men. Only Adam alone. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I guess we would be playing football or fighting all the time. One of these two things. <laughs> For which we have feeling. <laughs> so if you turn to Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 5. That's why. You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all conducted our love, love, ourselves with the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and whereby nature, children of wrath, just as the others, but God who is rich in mercy, again see, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Again, you know, the the depravity of our nature. And why did God save us? Because of his great. And how did he show us? In his mercy. Please remember, mercy again is a very powerful feeling. And also it's an action. Very powerful feeling. And it is an action, sometimes an action. Sometimes refraining from an action. Okay, like our babies, especially when they are small, can drive us crazy, but we don't do anything because we feel pity or mercy and refrain from doing something. So get this God who is rich in mercy because of his great love. Why does God do things? Get that picture now. And this is 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Okay, so this is what amazing. When you use that word behold, it's the emphasis. Look at it. See, look. Look. Dwell on it. 
think on it, the kind of love the Father has bestowed on it. So you see, love, mercy, and the result of it is salvation. And more than salvation, it is that we are called the children of God. And all this happens because of Christmas. That's why we talk about Christmas. We should not know just the glitter and the glamour of Christmas and actually missing the message of what is, why did Jesus come? Why did the Father send him? And why did he come? Now we turn to chapter 3 itself and read from verses 4 to 9. This is important. Two reasons are given over there. No, 1 John 3, 4 to 9. Okay, 1 John 3, 4 to 9. Who commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him, in him there is no sin. So the first thing there, okay, the first thing there, you know, we should know, you know. Why was Jesus manifested? Why did he come? Why did he come? To take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Then come to verse 6. Who abides in him does not sin. Who has sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Now verse 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So two things are mentioned connected with Christmas. Okay, First is, he was manifested to take away our sins. Second, he came to destroy the works of the devil. Okay, These are all connected with Christmas. So we celebrate Christmas, we call everybody, like I've been talking about the evangelistic kind of meeting, we call everybody, but we don't tell him the purpose. We're just celebrating about, like we can celebrate Abigail, Semi, Siri's birthday. But when we celebrate their birthday, we don't, we have no explanation, the purpose of why they are here. Okay, we just rejoice. God gave us a child. God gave us a child. And we cannot uh, relate that to Jesus. Because, like I said, he's the everlasting father. He does not have a birthday. He was begotten into our nature for a purpose, very specific purpose. And if that purpose is forgotten, and we keep forgetting that purpose, then we miss the season. The reason for this season. And the first reason given over here is that he might, he was manifested so that what? He takes away our sins. To take away our sins. Second, he was manifested to work, destroy the works of the devil. So, here also if you go to words uh, 7, 8, 9, if you can put it together, or 8, okay? Okay. There are two kinds of people distinguished here. One set of people are those who are of the devil. That is verse 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. Okay? He has sinned from the beginning. Then the second set of people are little children. Let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. So there's those who are who sin practice sin, and those who are righteous and practice righteousness. Two sets of people are divided over here. And remember, all this happens because of Jesus. Now, the best, probably, definition of sin is given in this passage, verse 4. What is sin? What is sin? Who commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is Lawlessness. We have to get this very clear because the reason is that the reason Jesus was manifested was to take away sin. So the minute we think about sin, we try to be very objective, subjective. This is sin, that is sin, that is sin, that is sin. We deal with these leaves and branches without going into the root. What is sin? What is sin? Sin is lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Okay? 
Once we have understood that, we have other definitions of sin. Romans 4, uh, 14, 23 says, whatever of is not of faith, okay? Whatever is not from faith is sin. So we have another definition of sin. And if I'm right, it is uh, James 4, 17. James 4, 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. But these definitions come after. After. 1 John 3, 4. 1 John 3, 4 is the most profound, authoritative definition of what sin is. What sin is. Okay? And we need to understand the origin of sin and in whom it originated. The origin of sin is Satan. It originates with him. Satan is where sin originated and it is with him it originated. Why this is important? Because we need to understand why was Jesus manifested? How was he, why was he manifested? To take away sin. And he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Now let us put it across this way. Jesus was manifested to put away lawlessness. Jesus came to destroy the works of lawlessness. Then we will get it. Much more clearer it becomes. If you go to Isaiah chapter 14, we have looked at it before. Okay. 14 verses 12 to 14. Okay. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will. Ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the further sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Okay, the five I wills. So what is lawlessness? Lawlessness is to raise yourself about the will and the law of God. That is lawlessness. That's how it starts. Because there is God. He's the creator. God created everything. We didn't create. Rest, including Lucifer, is creation. So the creator's will is there and his law is there. His will is his law and his law is his will is there. When anybody raises his will above the will of God, that is lawlessness. That is lawlessness. Then only we will understand the nature of what sin is. Okay? What is lawlessness? To raise your own will above the will of God. Okay? That is why when Jesus comes, he says, Behold, in the volume of the book it is written, I have come to do your will. Okay? I have come to do your will. So it becomes very profound. He says, here is the one in whom lawlessness begins and here is the son who comes and becomes the most law-abiding person under God. And for our sake, he says, you know, it is written in the because he doesn't need this book. He is the book. But he's showing us a way. He's showing us the way, okay? How to understand and walk in the will of God because it is written. So when, when he comes, he lives according to the pages of this book. So he's showing us a way, okay? And that's where we need to understand because otherwise we will not understand what, what, uh, is law, like, what is lawlessness? What is sin? Again, going to our, uh, favorite passage, Psalm 51, verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Let us put that term, lawlessness. Basically, every child, baby, is born lawless. Born lawless. Okay? Born lawless. And the issue is children are born to lawless parents. And that's why the earth is full of lawlessness. It's full of lawlessness. What we are seeing is a manifestation. We are saying, 
All are sinner. I am not a sinner. But look at the world. What you see is lawlessness. Lawlessness. Therefore, the whole, the, we need to realize why was Jesus manifested? Okay, there's a story here. Understand lawlessness about children. You know, there's a story, real story about a mother who punished her little boy. Okay, and told him, mm, you time out and they have big closets, you know, where you're covered, your clothes and everything over there. No, she said you sit in the closet for an hour. But after some time she realized it was absolutely quiet in the closet. So ten minutes later she opened the door and said, What are you doing? He said, I'm spitting on your clothes, your dresses, your shoes. Now I'm waiting for more spit to come. You understand the nature of lawlessness, okay? Law, law, law can only restrain evil, but at also when the policeman or the law giver is visible, but when the law giver is not visible or he doesn't have the power to restrain it, it does not have power, okay? It does not have power. So because that is the nature of the fallen man. So there is lawlessness so the, the lawlessness and that is that nature in us which is called the flesh okay it is that lawless so there is the lawless person and galatians 5:19 we don't have to go there it gives you the works of the lawless man and in romans 8:7 okay it says because the carnal mind is enmity. What is this mind? It is a lawless mind. It is a lawless. It's constantly in rebellion. In rebellion. Okay. Meaning this mind primarily to do something, it has to please itself. Otherwise it won't do. And to stop from doing something, there has to be enormous force from outside. Natural inclination is not towards obedience. It's not towards obedience. It doesn't come naturally. There has to be force. And that's where the Bible, that's why Philippians is such an important passage where it says, even though he was equal to God. Okay. He did not need external force or power. He was God. He had the power. But when he does, when he does. So, for this purpose, the Son of Man came, or Christ was manifested, one, to take away our sins, second, to destroy the works of the devil. In Romans 8.44, and then John, sorry, John 8.44, and John 10.10, 10, you are of the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So two things are here mentioned here. He lies, he kills. To destroy the works of the devil. So what are the works of the devil? Remember, he was sinning from the beginning. From the beginning. See, his death, death is a real thing. Okay, death is a real thing. He lied to one third of the angels. And they revolted against God. He was a blasphemer. He's a liar. Okay? He lied to one third of the angels and because he was the archangel, they believed him. They believed him. This one third could have been somebody who maybe they were under him. They could have been under him. We don't know. Maybe there are only three archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and uh, Lucifer. And uh, they had charge over one third of the angels each. This fellow lied to one third and took them down. Okay? So he lied to them. And where is he leading them? To eternal death. They already gone through the first death, separation from God. Now they are going to go to the eternal death. Okay, because they still, you see, Satan still had access to God. Okay, but he's eternally going to be separated from God after a thousand years. So he lies and he kills. The same thing he comes and he does with man. He lies and he kills. When you come to John 10.10, 10, he does one more thing. The thief does not come expect to steal. 
So he steals. Why we need to understand is because these are the works of the devil which God wants to destroy in us. We need to understand what are the works of the devil, primary works of the devil. One, he lies. He steals. He kills. He kills. Okay. We need to realize his works are primarily into three things. He lies. He steals. He kills. And if you look at the fallen man, our own old nature, you will see these are the three things that we do. These are the three things we do. The works may be many, but if you can divide it into three categories, headings under which everything falls, it's lying, it's stealing, and it is killing. Okay? And that's how it works. So, his attacks are many. Attacks are many. Physically, our bodies are attacked with sickness. Where there was no sin, there was no sickness. Of course, there is bacteria, virus and all there. There are many other reasons for sickness. But if you go to the origin, the origin of sickness is sin. That is why in some cases, Jesus had to say, your sins are forgiven. And James will also say, confess your sins to one another so you may be healed. So there is a reason okay, that sin leads to sickness. Sins to sickness. But in our mind, he attacks us with lies. That is where the word of God, truth comes. Okay, the Bible says if you go, if you <coughs> go to back to eight forty four, the Bible says there is no truth in him. Okay, there is no truth in him. Does not stand in the truth. Okay, because there is no truth in him. Not that he does not use truth. He stands in a lie and uses truth. Stands in a lie and uses truth. Okay? Because he cannot stand in truth. Because he has no truth in him. So how he attacks our mind, he attacks our minds with lies. A believer, once he is saved and the righteousness of God is imputed in him and he is born again because of truth, so he always struggles with lies. Because he's standing in truth. He's standing in truth. See, we need to understand there is these are these evidences of salvation. Evidences of salvation. Why did David sin and why is he so much going through it? Because he's standing in truth. He's lying, stealing, killing, everything he's doing. But he has no rest at all. Even though the truth, like I said, around the whole world in Gentile kingdoms is that every king did this. But only one king is remorseful. The reason is because he is standing in truth, therefore the lie is always making him miserable. But the devil does not stand in truth, nor do devil's children stand in truth. They stand in a lie. Stand in a lie. And when they stand in a lie, the very truth they practice is deceiving them. Because religion is, it's, there is truth in religion. But it is deceiving them because it does not show them the need for a savior. And you understand that the way the devil deceives religious people. The religious people are deceived by the truth. How the truth? That they don't realize they're standing in a lie. And they're practicing truth. But this truth is not going to take them to eternity with God because they're still standing in a lie. That's how he affects the mind. Okay? He affects the mind. That is the blindness. That's why he, Jesus tells the Pharisees, if you were blind, you would have been forgiven. But you say you see the truth. You say you see, see the truth. That is how it works. So we need to understand how the devil works on our mind. If you turn with me to Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, 25-26. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, where? Within the body of Christ. If God will perhaps grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. These are people 
You see, the devil can take your mind captive to do his will. That is why we have this constant battle in our minds. There's a battle in our minds. It's a battle for truth. It's a battle for truth because if we are not careful, he can take our minds captive. Are you a child of God? Yes. During that period from the beginning when he did not go to war until Nathan came and uh, confronted him, was he a child of God? Yes. yes. Was his will taken, mind taken captive? Yes. yes. His mind was taken captive to do the devil's will. Okay. To the devil's will. And that's what he's saying. What happens is that if you look at David, David became a law unto himself. He, in, 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 if you look at, don't look at what he's doing. Look at the nature of what he's doing. What he's doing is, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. There is no God's will there. I will, I will take her. Then, I will call her husband back. Then if he doesn't do what I want him to do, then I will write his death sentence. Then to cover the whole thing, I will take and marry her. It is all I wills. And at the core of it, you know what he is? It's not what he's doing. It's what is making him. He's lawless. He's lawless. So what is sin? Sin is lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Okay? And that's what makes in John 8, 34, God will say, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Okay, what do you become? You're not a son. Though you are a son, you live like a slave. You live like a slave. Okay? And while the son abides in the house forever, God says, okay? So lawlessness actually makes you a slave. Okay? Law, I mean, actually, what are you a slave of? The actual re- thing you need to understand is, you become a slave of fear. You become a slave of fear. Once fear comes in, the devil captivates you. He controls you. Because fear, that's why God says, I have not given you. Okay. When it began, it was lust. But after that, all it was fear. Yeah. Yeah. It was all that was fear. And he controls. Okay. Let us say there is a lawless man in this vicinity. Naturally speaking, a man who has broken many laws of the government. You know, he always lives in fear. Always lives in fear. Because even if they are not looking for him, he will always think they are looking for him. The long hand of the law is coming. Okay. So that is what lawlessness ultimately produces. It produces fear. It produces fear. But when God saves us, let's go to another portion to make this clear. Matthew seven twenty one to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Why? Because the devil did not do the will of, let us say, his father too. God was his father too. Okay? In heaven. And he became devil or the diabolos and he was cast down. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name. Done many wonders in your name. So verse 22 is talking about the works they did. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Practice lawlessness. It is law. I think she's throwing her poor baby. Lawlessness. Practice lawlessness. Hmm? Practicing lawlessness. We need to understand that. Then only we will understand in 1 John 3, 5. Okay. He was manifested to take away our sins. 
Why was he manifested? To take away our sins. And that is comma, and after that something is written. In him there is no sin. He could not have taken away our sins if he had sin. In him there was no sin. And the first part of it is we are all born or brought forth in iniquity or shaped in iniquity, brought forth in sin. The first thing was that he was born without sin born of his father, the one that will be called the Holy One of Israel, born without sin. But that's just one small part, the easy part. The difficult part was to live sinless the rest of his life, to be found without sin. So we need to realize that when we talk about Jesus' atoning death for us, it has his, his birth, his entire life, his death, and his resurrection. It has four parts. Then only we are saved. It begins with his birth. But there is a supernatural work of his father. But after that comes his life. An absolute life. Without, without, without sin. And the answer is given. How was he there without sin? If you go with to Philippians chapter 2. 5 onwards. To 8. The first thing is. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, as opposed to Romans 8-7. The carnal mind is in enmity. The carnal, you can put it over there, has lawless mind. A mind that refuses to come under God. Refuses to come under God. Okay? Refuses. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's the key. Okay, it all begins with a mind. Okay, so Christ has a mind which is not lawless at all. He has a mind which is absolutely under the will of the Father. Behold, I have come to do your will. Not only that, I delight to do your will. I delight to do your will. Because otherwise he cannot take away our sins. Cannot take our sins. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So where is he standing from? He's standing from a position of equality. So he's showing us something, verse 7. Made himself of no reputation. This is important. It's very important. The seven part is very, very important because you know what? Sin began, lawlessness began because he wanted a reputation to be higher than God. And so many things which people actually do or try to protect is their reputation. Their reputation. What will others think or I want others to think about me this way? There's something called a reputation. And the first thing Jesus does is that have this mind. You know what? He made himself of no reputation. Okay, and then he took the form of a bond. We have looked at it many times. Coming in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, humbled himself, became obedient. All this is obedience. Everything that he is doing is being obedient to the will of his father. How to? Obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. This is how it matters. Okay, So if you go back to his prayer life, because we are season of praying, Hebrews 5, 7 and 8. Okay. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death. Okay, you know where this death comes from? Let us put it up. Wages of sin is death. Lawlessness is death. That's his prayer. He's not talking about the death on the cross. He's talking about the death on the cross. It is his entire prayer each morning. First focus is, Lord, let me not be lawless. Let not my mind be at enmity with you. Let me, because we, we found the best definition of sin in the Bible. All lawlessness is sin. And that is how it begins in heaven. Lawlessness is got to do with the will of God. God's will is very clear. 
when everyone was designated, Lucifer included, will of God is very clear. Everything is happy. He's been given such an exalted position with full of beauty, wisdom and all. But he did not come under the will of God. Instead he said, I will, I will, I will. That is lawlessness. That is lawlessness. And that is how every baby is born. A baby is born lawless. A human being is born lawless. And this is the manifestation of sin. This is the works of the devil that God has. God cannot destroy the works of the devil if you are going to identify the works individually and tackling it. You have to deal with lawlessness. Lawlessness at the root. Lawlessness. Because lawlessness has to got to do with the authority of God. You know? Because he is basically saying, I will not come under your authority. And even if I come under authority, you will see, see, I will only come under the authority where it benefits me and which I like. But that is not being law-abiding. That's what the Bible says. He was obedient. Though he was a son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And once his obedience was made perfect, where was it made perfect? On the cross. On the cross. So there is, there is this concept. No, not concept. It's, if you go to 1st Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 10. Okay. Now, this is a controversial chapter because there is lawlessness everywhere. That's why this chapter is controversial. One of the most controversial chapters in modern church history is First Corinthians 11. But say, for this reason, the woman, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority. A symbol of authority. Okay? Basically to show to the angels, I'm not lawless. I'm not lawless. I'm not lawless. Because this is showing to which angels, primarily one third who fell, and to the others, that I am not lawless. I am under authority. So everywhere this principle is put across. So this is a question we need to understand. For this purpose, the Son of Man came to destroy the works of the devil. And how are the works of the devil manifested? It is manifested primarily in lawlessness, which is rebellion, lawlessness. And this is a symbol. The symbol is outside. The substance is inside. Both matter. Symbols matter. Symbols matter. Symbol is outside. But the substance is inside. You cannot say, I have the symbol outside, but I don't have the substance inside. It does not work. Again, you cannot have the substance inside and no symbol outside. In the beginning, it may work. In the beginning. Samuel comes to Jesse's house. They all have the symbol outside. Oh, they are washed and nice and anointed, dressed well, everything looks good. They have the symbol outside, but God looks inside and says they have no substance inside. David comes. Once David comes, he has no symbol outside. He's neither washed nor is he anointed. We do not know. It is not written. Probably he came, ran over there. But when God looks, he has the substance inside. After that, if you assume all the days of his life, he walked around like a smelly shepherd. No, he had to have the symbol outside. Yes. Okay. He has to have the substance outside. So we need to realize both matters. You need to have the substance inside. So first thing he gives you is a new heart. That new heart is not a lawless heart. Okay, it's not a lawless heart. It is an absolutely meek and obedient heart. It's a willing and a obedient heart. It is, it is under the authority of God and under every authority God has placed. It, it, it won't rebel. That is what it says. He who is born of God does not sin because what a born of God cannot sin. It is not lawless. It is not lawless. So we have to look at these things. Okay. So what God is trying to do is that that's why John the Baptist comes and says the axe is laid at the root. 
Doesn't matter how many times we keep on trimming the branches and the leaves. You know what? It works. Okay, it works for a season. <laughs> After that, it springs up again. And God says the way out is go to the root. The root, why am I doing these things? Because at the core, I'm lawless. The old man is lawless. The old man is lawless. And God says, go to the new man who has been born and of God. He's able to save to the uttermost. So the simple question is, what are we being saved from? What are we being saved? That's why God puts, um, if you look at the, the miracles of Jesus Christ, it is interesting because we are so body conscious. So body conscious. And the greater the disease, the longer the disease we become even more conscious. So the numbers are given. There is a 12 year old, 12 years sick woman, 18, 37. Why are these numbers? And he says, how long from his birth, man born blind. All this is shown is because these are only symptoms of a deeper sickness. Okay, deeper sickness. What is the sickness? It's in the body. We are very body conscious, but the result is the fall of man. It's the fall of man. Okay, so John would call them all as signs. All as signs to pointing us to whom? To the sin and to the Savior. The Savior. Okay, so in the last days, if you look at the kind of list of things that will happen, there's famine, there's pestilence, there's war, all kind of things. And the, the Bible says the result of it in society is lawlessness will increase. Lawlessness is increase. And the result of what, what does it mean lawlessness is increase? Two things will happen. One, law and order will start breaking down. Breaking down. Like you have one of the worst blizzards, snowstorms in US, and especially New York, that area called Buffalo and all. In the midst of this, massive where people have frozen in their carts and died there are police of um, superintendents giving warnings about uh, looting going on okay so you have a terrible tragedy happening but because of that law and order is stretched so people are they are not stealing essentials Please understand. <laughs> they are not stealing food and water. They are stealing TVs and washing machines. Okay. You need to realize there are two things that will happen. One, because of a breakdown of law and order, the lawless one will be manifested. Second thing, there will be a change of laws. So the lawless man can sin without the law coming after him. You know, one of the famous, very famous novelists, short story writers in English literature is called Oscar Wilde. Very famous. You know, he was in jail for being gay. He was in jail. He was imprisoned in Britain for being a practicing homosexual because homosexuals were banned by the law. Banned by the law. Now let me ask you this question. Was the law morally right? Yes. yes. If, like, it's interesting what happened in our country, right? In Bihar last week, around 30, 35, 40 people died of uh, drinking illicit liquor. Okay, And Bihar is a state where there is prohibition. You cannot drink alcohol. You cannot make, sell, drink alcohol in Bihar. Somebody made illicit liquor and sold it. Right, and people died. You know what the CM's response was? If people drink, they will die. People are upset with him, but he said they broke the law. Let me ask you this question: If you are driving on the wrong side of the road at 100 kilometers per hour and you die in an accident, what will people say? Is he mad or what? Well, the law is very clear; you should be on the right side, right? So the two things that will happen. One thing the devil will do is that using systems, he will change laws. 
So when the laws are changed, when you abort a child, you say it is right because the state has sanctioned it. But you are still lawless because God hasn't sanctioned it because he said thou shall not kill. Okay, Because the state sanctions lawlessness, it does not become legal. It does not become legal. Okay, so the believer has to be very, very careful over it. This is where the church is crumbled. And churches are crumbling around Europe and US by, you know, now, um, same-sex marriage was legalized in 2012 or 10 or something by the Supreme Court. Is it legal in God's eyes? No. But churches gave in to pressure and they started allowing same-sex, ordaining gays and all that. Is homosexuality legal in God's eyes? No, it's an abomination. Will transgender movement be legal under God's? No. God has made only two genders. There is no mixing of this and there is no transiting one to another. No. So you need to realize at one level, when there is a breakdown of law and order, what will happen is that lawlessness will increase. Why is that with impunity? Because the U.S. is put across to us as a paradigm. Many states started changing laws. Like if somebody, if I'm right in California or somewhere, if you steal below thousand dollars, they're asked them to ignore it. So what it does, it encourages lawlessness. Okay, no, all those bail reforms. You, what are these reforms? These reforms are basically aimed at lawlessness. Marijuana to be. Legalize. Because you legalize marijuana, marijuana will give you health or kill you. So you just sanctioned death by making death legal. By law. But in God's eyes, nothing changes. You will be still judged as lawless. Lawless. If you come to the last portion of Romans chapter 1, where the Bible talks about how God hands over, hands over, hands over, hands over. And then you come to the last part where it says, it's an interesting words over there. Uh, 32, yeah. This is talking about the people who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Where are those who people who approve them? They are in the Senate and the Congress. They are the ones who pass the laws changing. They are in the universities at the highbrow humanities, bringing forth theories. And they call it science. But they have to bring theories. Because you cannot pass a law unless you have something backing it up. So they go into humanities, they go into social sciences, and they bring theories justifying homosexual behavior. They're going into the penguins, and they go into the, and this is, they go in, they bring all this. And who are these people? Those who approve. Okay. And the thing is that, we were all that. And we need to be very careful when we go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 onwards. We were all that. 1, 2, 2, 1 to 5. You he made alive. Who were we? We were born dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked. According to the courts of this world. This was always the courts of this world. Always the courts of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. Who is he? The lawless one. The spirit who now works in the sons of. What does lawlessness bring? It brings disobedience. Either outwardly. Because there is no restraining influence. Or inwardly. Because there is an influence that restrains. So you wait until that influence is moved away. And then. Among also, we all conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. You need to realize there are lusts of the flesh through the body and there are lusts of the flesh through the mind. Mind has its own pleasures. And because it does not, it's, it is no like apparent like the 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 body 
like the body. Okay, let let me let me. This is this is a fundamental principle which you need to understand because this is this is got to do with the mind works. Let us say. Okay, when I was a student, before I came to India and after I came to India, before I came to India and after I came to India, when it comes to sports and then the third thing, I loved football, played football every day. When I came to India, I wanted to play cricket every day. Okay, and I loved reading. But my primary call was a student. Primary call was a student was to be a student. Now the thing which I did gave me a lot of pleasure. I could read and read and read and read through the whole day and not one textbook, one textbook I would open. It had nothing to do what I was called to do. But if you look at it, I'm not sinning against anybody. I'm not stealing, I'm not hitting anybody, but you know what? I'm derelicting my duty. Fulfilling the pleasures of my mind. It doesn't necessarily have to be something what I am reading could be all kosher. Very good. A defying thing. Let me put across. Okay. Uh, we have students here. You know, Gideon sitting here. Your undergraduate? No. Interfast year? Interfast year. But he doesn't go to college. All he does and sits and reads his Bible. Is Bible a bad book? No. no. Only thing he reads. Every day he sits at home, he doesn't go to college, he sits and reads his Bible. Now let me ask you, is he doing the will of God? No. He's not doing the will of God. What he's receiving is a pleasure of his mind. Okay. Now if you look at Jesus, he understands this concept very well. My father has sent me for a particular uh, work. And the work, the actual work is at the end of my life. But in this period, I have to do two things. I have to preach and I have to manifest the power. So what does he do? He wakes up early in the morning. He finishes his time with his father in a couple of hours. And the rest of the day he's working. But he loves praying. Because that's the time he's connected to his father. But he doesn't spend all the time praying. He loves studying the word of God. But he doesn't spend all the time studying the word of God. Because he knows he has a duty. This is the pleasures. People do not realize how lawless we can be in our mind. Without even realizing. This is what you are talking about. The subtlety of the enemy. Because if he cannot get a saint to sin. He will get the saint to do good things which God never called him to do. And gets him trapped in that. So he misses his purpose. Okay. These are the works of the devil. Because at every level the works of the devil we have to identify. For this purpose the son of man came. That he might destroy the works of the devil. Works of the devil. We are very conscious about visible things. But you very have to be very very subtle about these things. Very very subtle about these things. I mean, we need to be very careful because the Bible warns us in First Peter five eight. It says, "Be sober, be sober, okay, be sober, be vigilant, be sober, be vigilant." Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Okay, may devour. And when you come to Matthew eleven and verse twelve. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers what? Violence and the violent take it by force. So there are two things mentioned here. I want, that's the title for, okay? Vigilant and violent. Two things God asks the child of God to be. To allow Christ to do his work in us. Be vigilant and be violent. And this season we are going through fasting is a period of violence. It's just because, because first physical violence is on your body because you're dulling your flesh by not feeding it at all. You're dulling your flesh. The other purpose is for your spiritual senses to be open. That's where the ministry of the word comes so that God can show us the subtlety of the devil, can show us how 
we are not actually fulfilling the will of God in our lives because at the core of it, we are still dominated by our self-will. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. But that's not how it works. Okay? There is pleasure, but pleasure should be at the end. That should not be the reason. Should not be. And there are many things, there may be no pleasure at all. There are no pleasure at all. Yet you will continue doing it because I don't think anything that Jesus did gave him pleasure other than serving his father. I mean, from where he came to what he's living in and what he's doing, being trapped, eternal God, trapped in a human body. What pleasure is going to get out of all of this? Nothing. So he was not. The Bible doesn't talk about pleasure. It talks about the joy that was set before him. There's a difference between pleasure and joy. But we are pleasure dominated. We are lovers. That's why people can, like I could read and read and read and read and read. I was not edifying myself. It was pleasure. I found pleasure. Or people can sit and talk for hours and hours and hours and hours because they find pleasure in it. But these are the works of the devil because he knows if he can steal your time, he has stolen your destiny. Because he knows about time. Every demon knows about time because they said, have you come to torment us before our time? So they know they had 7,000 years, but we don't have that. We have 70 years or 80 years. They know the trap of time. So what does he steal? He steals these things and God says, this is where we have to be very, very vigilant. 2023 is coming. 2022 is already over. It's almost over. And the question is, 2023 is coming. You know, one child, uh, I just casually wrote uh, in another country, you know, how are you? I haven't heard from you. And that poor kid, he, she used to come to our church a long time. I don't want to talk about it in public, but she was talking about that. She's a single mother talking about yeah. I, I was really upset when I heard, I read her letter, what she went through in 2022. And she's got two kids and she's a single mother in another country and kids falling ill back and forth, back and forth, in and in and out, in and out. And had to quit her job and get another job because she's a single mother managing all this. It's not been an easy year. It's been a tough, tough, tough year. And when we're looking into 2023, we're still hoping because hope is there. God created hope in us, hoping for something better something better. But that's where we need to realize if something has to become better for us, we have to deal with the core issue. And the core issue with the unredeemed man and the redeemed man is lawlessness. Lawlessness. The core, it is lawlessness. And that is the best definition of sin. For this purpose, he was manifested. For what? To destroy sin. That is lawlessness. And that's the thing we need to look forward to. After this, when I enter into 2023, more than anything else that you can give me, this is my desire. Break lawlessness in me. If you can go to the root. If you can go to the root. And deal with it, oh Lord. I don't want to go that route saved and it's still I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. No, Lord, I want it truly to be your will and not my will. Okay, that's what Jesus actually says. If you decide to do my will, then you will know what my will is. Okay, and I do believe we are all struggling with our understanding the will of God. It's because we don't actually want the will of God. We want the power of God. And our will. The power of God. And our will. God says, you keep on pushing it, I will let you have it. But the ideal way, look at my son. He said, your will. Therefore he had my power in its fullness. Because he said, only one thing matters in my life. I have come to do your will. So the Father says, I will give you my spirit without measure. Because you are one person who will never abuse my power. And show it to my church. Show it to my people. 
This is how it works. So we can't miss these messages because otherwise Christmas is Christmas is because you know what? As we go through Christmas every year, every season, as God opens up scripture, the thing is that people really struggle. People really struggle because the whole idea is what is Christmas? What is, what is the truth about Christmas? Okay. How do we get Christ back into Christmas? Why did he come? Why did he come? You know? Why did he come? He came to, to one, to take away the penalty for lawlessness, and the second, to break, destroy the works of lawlessness in us. That's where he comes. Okay? And that's where, last two verses for today, Matthew 1, 21 and Matthew 1, 23. She will bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus or he will save his people from their sins. For this reason, the son of man was manifested that he would take away the sins of the world. And 23, behold, the virgin shall be with, with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, what? God with us. How does it happen? In 1 John 3 he says, if you abide in him, if you stay with him and he stays with you. That is Emmanuel. That's not Yeshua. Yeshua takes away your sins. But Emmanuel gives you victory over lawlessness. You stay with him. He stays with you. He will constantly tell you, this is not who I am. Therefore, this is not who you are. This is not who I am. There is Yeshua, there is Emmanuel. And during this season, we have to, we have to. And the issue is that be very sure. Don't bring the name of God into something unless you are very, very sure. Very, very sure. Because people say, God told me. God told me. And be very sure what God told you is the will of God for you. Because God can tell many things. If you go to a prophet with an idol in your heart, God will cause the prophet to prophesy to you according to the idol in your heart. So who said it? God told it. What was it? The will of God? No. The judgment of God. No, the judgment of God. So we have to be very, very careful. So even to hear clearly from God, there is a condition that is required. The condition that is required is the state of our heart. Otherwise we'll hear wrong. Hear wrong, meaning that God did not speak. God spoke, but he spoke wrong. That should not have happened in our lives. We should not have received it from our lives. Okay, please remember, the prodigal son went and wasted his life. He blew his life away. Who gave him the power? His father. Who asked for it? He asked for it. Who gave it? The father gave it. Father gave it. It's not the son stole it may not have happened in one day. That must have happened over many days. He was sulking. He was grumbling. He was not telling his father. It's typical how it happens. The house, he tells his mother, complains, complains, complains. The mother is telling that night to the father, this boy is very miserable. He's very happy. He wants to be on his own. He wants, why don't you? 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 And then one day, you know, all kind of things happening. One day the father calls and asks him, what's your problem? No, I want to start on my own. But you are not allowing me. And Father says, what do you want? I want my share of the property. Can you sell it early and give it to me? Father says, take it. Through the process, he never asks, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? That's why I always say, you come to Apostle Paul, that's his second question. Who are you? Jesus of Nazareth, second question, what do you want me to do? Because even under the law, he was not lawless. He said, what I did, he said, what I did, I did out of ignorance. He thought he was doing right when he was doing wrong. But when he knew right, he refused to do wrong. He refused to do wrong. Okay, That is the condition. 2023, we have to go into that. And we need to say to Lord, you know what, Lord, I want to finish this year dealing with the core issues that matter to us. Because all the things that really matter to us, it does not matter to him because 
in a second he can take. But a lawless man, it will take a life time for God to deal with a person simply because God has given us a free will to choose. Only because of that. They didn't have that. He kicked them out. He kicked them out. That is our major issue. Our major issue of man is that our free will. In our free will, we have to be choose not to be lawless. That is the greatness of the human free will. In my free will. Okay, God will plead with us. I beseech you, brethren, you gave the instruments of your body as instruments of unreferred sin. Now give it over as instruments. He will say all that. The one who has to decide is me. And you. Why? That's the Christmas return gift. We all have the children love return gifts, right? No? They, they parents buy a gift for the children to give it to their friend's birthday, but when they're coming back, they come back. Why? Because the other person gave them a return gift. Of course, the return gift won't be as expensive as the gift you gave in the same way. The gift God gave us and what we can give to him, there's no comparison. There's no comparison. But God says, it's my son's birthday. I gave you my son. Now, this is your return gift. This is your return gift. This is what you can give it to me, my son. In the light of God's mercies, I beseech you, brethren, our return gift. Yes, let's have Peter back.